TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, you got to hold it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 409, and I am Libya, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Greg, TV enthusiast from St. Louis, but coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida. Ooh. This is Allison, and I'm just coming to you from Tarzana, and I write reviews <laughs> for Wadenopolis. <laughs> I mean, really, how do I follow that, you know? Hi, this is Yusun, and I'm a costume designer and a TV enthusiast. All right, uh, let's start off with the news. Uh, Netflix has canceled Travelers. No. So that means that crazy ending we got at the end of season three sticks. That is the ending. Oh, Oh, they had so many possibilities. I know. That's a crappy end to the series, by the way. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, it, it it had the feel of of a possible series ender. So I there, there's part of me that kind of settled to okay, if it ends like that, I can deal with it. It's not my favorite way for this series to have ended. I would have liked to have seen more, definitely. But I I don't know. It had that feel to it, and I can kind of accept it. Oh, he killed everyone. It was like no. All right. Um. Sex Education got renewed for season two. Uh, anyone watching that? I heard it's good. I've heard it's good. Me too. Me too. Uh, I just have not, like, I didn't hear about it until it was like, everybody was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then, you know, I just haven't watched it. But one of you guys volunteer. Who volunteers? To sacrifice. Is it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Yes. Uh, I'll check it out. You will be our sacrifice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and report back. Okay. Um, the Walking Dead's mid-season premiere is supposed to happen next week. However, if you have the AMC premiere app, you can watch it at kickoff of the Super Bowl. No way. So that means... Counter programming. I, I talk about it, but what's crazy is that means there's a whole week for the elite people who paid for the AMC premiere that can spoil the rest of us. <laughs> That's not cool. I don't like that at all. So, boo for me. Um, Robert Kirkman's Invincible, which is a comic that he ran for about 10 years, uh, is going into production officially. He has cast the voice actors of Stephen Yun, uh, oh. Mark Hamill, Sandra O, oh, and Seth Rogen. And Ooh, it will wow. have ep- eight episodes on Amazon. But well, because a great voice cast, that's yeah. for sure. So, yes, it's animated. Um, but... The, because it's animated, that means it's not going to premiere till next year. Right. Um, Showtime has greenlit the sequel for The L Word. For those who are waiting around for the secret sequel for The L Word. I mean, I like The L Word. I don't know if I was like, hey, that should have a sequel. But there you go. Amazon will drop the pilot of their new show, Hannah, also for the Super Bowl. So... But instead of during it, it will drop right after the Super Bowl ends. So as soon as Super Bowl ends, you can go to your Amazon Prime and hit play on Hannah, which doesn't premiere until March. 
but what they want it's it's pretty cool if people have seen the movie it's based on the movie which basically this little girl she gets trained from infancy until she's about she's a teenager to basically be uh not necessarily an assassin but this guy is training her to be this ultimate soldier and when she's 14 or so something happens and she ends up having to go out into the real world and she's just this awesome fighter so so like black widow yes but she's 14 okay so it's a little kid but she's highly highly trained but yes like black widow um but the movie was pretty good so hopefully the series will be as well um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. dropped the trailer that confirmed that Agent Coulson was dead and alive at the same time. What? Okay. <laughs> For the few people who haven't seen the trailer, the it opens up with Mac listening to uh, Coulson, and then he walks through him and you realize it's a hologram. And then they put up this big thing, Agent Coulson is dead. And then they show how the team is working together and how they're trying to get over their grief of Coulson. And then at the end, they show that these these three bad guys are who they're going to have to face. And then they do this long pan up someone wearing leather and whatever. And it tur- and, and the guy says something like, uh, don't you work for S.H.I.E.L.D.? And the guy turns around and he, it's like, what's S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh. <laughs> and so you're just like, wait. What? Okay. So there. So he's back, but we don't know who, hi, what, what's going on with him being back. But knowing May, to be honest, I was like, May totally did it. Like May did something <laughs> that brought him back, and now he doesn't have his memories or something. I don't know, but some kind of. All I know is Colson's back. That's all I care about, to be honest. Because I was like, I don't know if I can watch a new season of Shield without Colson. I mean, I love everybody else on the team, but without Coulson, it, f- it would feel hollow. It's weird. Yeah, but um, it's supposed to be Coulson and May, and if he's lost his memories, then there's no Coulson-May relationship. I don't know what's happening. Well, we, I don't know what's, what this is. I'm sure is. he didn't lose his memory forever. Right. We don't know yeah. what this is. We don't know if he's an android, if he's now a villain, if he's whatever. Like, we don't know anything. So all I know is that the guy playing Coulson is in the series that comes mm. back this summer. So I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so that's all I care about. All right. Let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Passage. And this was episode three. And you finally get to what you know inevitably has to happen. I mean, you watched the agent and uh, Amy. Is that her name? Yeah. We watched them run and run and run for two episodes, but based on what the series is about, you know at some point she'll have to get the shot and be infected because she talks about the future and what she knows and how the world ended and blah, blah, blah. So you And all the posters have had her with glowing glowing eyes. So you know at some point she gets, she gets the shot. Some kind of way it has to happen. So this is the episode where you know we see what actually happens. And I really still love their relationship because they, even though they know that she's going to have to, you know, be experimented on, they're still kind of working the system and trying to figure out the holes and, um, manipulating the other doctors. And they're, they're still working a plan, you know? And I really, I really enjoyed watching them work that plan. 
What do you guys think? No, I like that, too. I also like the fact that they're starting to flesh out the other characters so that we see, you know, things like the the girl who we thought, uh, Shauna, who we thought was just, you know, this psychotic who killed her family and she's she's evil at the core and all of that. And it turns out, no, actually, she's a victim of abuse. And she was at one time a perfectly decent human being. And it's just the effects of the the. A virus or whatever it is that's well, to turning be, her into this some into of this that monster. yes but also if you notice she didn't kill the nice guy she went after the guy that was abusing her right exactly so, I mean it's, it's strategic it's, she's not everyone else thinks that she's just got you know an animal level oh, right. of, of, of intelligence and you know that that's what it does but actually and I, I think the, the lead doctor um I forget what his name is supposed to be, but the one with the beard. Desmond? Um, yes, Desmond. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> he will forever be Desmond. That was a joke. No, but I know. Desmond he Desmond from Lost. Yes. He will forever be Desmond, but continue. Okay. Anyway, um, he's starting to realize that they're actually communicating with each other and that there's a much, you know, uh, much more um, important level that they're they're communicating at. Right. So I think that I think that that is they're starting to clue in on this, if a little bit late. And I, like I said, I do like the fact that they're starting to flesh out these characters. So they're not not just monstrous. They're not just you know these these evil horrible creatures who who just have one motivation. I like seeing that they're more complicated than that. I will say that that guard was super creepy. He was like like they wake up and he's standing over Amy and they're like, dude, what are you doing? He was like, I just wanted to see her sleep or something, something crazy. He <laughs> said, I was like, dude, you were going to get your butt kicked. Uh, and I, I like because we know what he's trying to say, like we got it. But just isolated. That sounded bad. It sounded really bad. So, um, but he gives them information that they definitely need. I I like the echo of like the true Dracula story as him being like the wimpy familiar. You know what I mean? Oh, like, right, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, except I, that I he's mean, terrified I, of that dude. Which dude? Yeah, but so a lot of times, well, yes. I mean, familiars tend to be a little bit more like devoted and super, you know, super into it. But it's still like he's being controlled and kind of doing his their bidding. You know what right. I mean? And he's like, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just I thought that that you know it gives us a kind of a creepy, you know, but you know, a little nod to the whole vampire thing. And and I'm actually really I loved when the lead character guy was like, how about we just call them vampires? Because that's what they are. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and just cut to the chase. Cam. And I literally was like watching the show going, how come, why are we not calling these vampires? Like, what's up with that? You know? So well, I, but really, I love the, I love the that explanation was... because yeah. vampires don't exist. Huh? <laughs> but, you know, I, I did want to say Mark Paul Gossler or whatever. Um, but I just wanted to shout out to him because I mentioned it, I think, last week or the week before that um, I thought his casting... I think it was two weeks ago was um, was good. But now he's proving to me that the casting was spot on. I, I really like his performance in as, you know, better. I, I don't know if this is an insult. It probably is backhanded compliment. I really didn't. I was I'm surprised. I didn't think he had it in him. I did not know that he had that kind of performance in him. Um, you know, it, it seemed really real. There were like close ups of his eyes and he just seemed really like 
concerned and terrified and, and, you know, devoted. And, you know, there was like all these layers and I was like, wow, I did not know he could act like this. Um, so I, I'm, I'm enjoying that immensely because that to me is, is really a main part of the, sure. There's the mystery and the vampire and all of that, you know, post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic, whatever. But for me, it's the relationship between him and the girl that keeps me like interested because I definitely have some problems with the show, which I don't even need to go into right now. But I, I, am, I am enjoying it because, like Allison said, they're definitely fleshing out the characters. And for me, the main thing is that relationship between the two of them is very believable and emotionally potent for me. I mean, I really am caring about the two through them caring about each other. Right. Agreed. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Charmed. And this was their first episode back from break. And no, second episode, sorry. Second episode back from break because the last one was they rescued him from the pit or whatever. And this episode, they go on their own adventures and whatnot and they leave. What is the guy's name? Um, oh, the, the Harry? Brit- Harry, thank you. British white lighter guy. So they don't spend a lot of time with him because he's recovering. So like he's upstairs, they're feeding him breakfast and he's just like resting and I like that his powers aren't back 100%, that he still has to heal. I thought that was pretty cool. But they're actually spending more time finding out more secrets, I guess, because they do the DNA test, and they realize that the sisters that thought they were full sisters are only half-sisters, and the half-sisters are real sisters, are full sisters, and that now has shaken up the dynamics, and it also made them realize that their mom had perpetually just been lying to everybody for a really long time. And they, I like that they found those letters and it lets you know, like, well, what's weird for the other sisters is that obviously the mom was really in love with her first guy. And for some reason she had to leave him and marry some other random dude that she didn't care as much about. But what's weird is I would have thought that the second, the middle daughter would have been the one that shared the father, but it's actually the youngest one. So it was really slightly confusing to me for how that timeline works. Um, but hopefully they will explain that more in the next episode. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else big happened other than that. Uh, they did it. Oh, the musical thing. Eh, it was all right. What'd you guys think or anybody else who saw it? Um, pretty much the same thing. I mean, I, you know, like I said before, this, this show is so light and fluffy. It practically floats up into the atmosphere (laughs) by itself. Um, so there's, there's not a lot of deep stuff to talk about right now. It's more, it's more like, you know, well, I like so-and-so and and I like the relationships and blah, blah, blah. Because story-wise, there's not that much going on. I think the whole, they're, they're trying to be a little deep with, um, I think they're, kind of hinting that the oldest daughter something happened to her and they had to pay a grave price the parents had to pay a grave price to keep her alive or bring her back to life or whatever Mm -hmm. which caused them to have to split up so that feels like that's going to be a little dark right and then there's also the stuff with harry trying to track down his son right i think that's gonna um, be there's there's that kind of thing but uh, like i said that's about as deep as it gets on this show right well you know i still like it Oh, I do too. I mean, oh, how could I forget? By the way, <laughs> now that we're on Charmed, real quick, this is technically news, but uh, almost everything on the CW got renewed, including Legacies and Charmed. Yay! Woo! So, uh, let's hear it for job security. Yay! <laughs> 
All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Black Lightning. And this episode was sort of sad. I mean, it was all about... the. Uh, well, I mean, it makes sense. Dude gets his spine ripped out. What I would expect him to have died quicker, but they decided to make it last an episode. So you got to they got to milk his death. Um but it was it was still a sad kind of ending. I I felt a little bad. And they um I'm trying to remember anything else happened other than him dying really slowly. Well, more oh. machinations by, you know, uh whale. But yeah, whatever. other than that, oh, I mean, uh, really, the Henderson, he, the cop, was it Henderson, Harrison, whatever the cop's oh, name. Yeah. He, gets, he got to see the, the private lair. Yeah, so he got to see the secret lair and he was like, you've got to be kidding me. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> so they brought him fully in on the team. So that's good. But yeah, not a lot actually really happened other than um, Khalil, dies. Khalil dies in slow motion. Yeah, which was kind of surprising. I didn't really think. I was still, up until like the very last, and even after he died, I'm like, they're going to find some way. Someone's going to like, at the last minute, like jump in and inject him with some super fluid. And he's going <laughs> to be fine. Well, I really did think they were just going to freeze him and then have him come back later. But then they were yeah. like, oh, the freezing method's not going to work. And I was like, what, what? Like uh, that surprised me more than anything else. No, it's like, what do we have these pods hanging around for if it's not for stuff like this? Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I was very surprised. I mean, it made sense, considering his injury, that he would die, although it should have been a lot faster. Exactly. But, um, you know, I mean, not to to a little bit of reality that he did expire, but, yeah, it seemed it seemed really strange. I kept, like, you know, like Greg says, I kept expecting, like, oh, any minute now something is going to happen that's going to stop it. And then I was very surprised when he went. Of course, I will not be surprised if they find some way to dig to him back up again. Um, but because, you know, it's one of these shows. Yeah, it's a superhero but, show. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they can come back in, you know, in any number of ways. I mean, you know, the, Khalil, the artificial intelligence. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> at some point, I would not be surprised if he comes back again. But hey, kudos for at least doing this. A little different. Yeah, we find out that Jennifer has her own dream universe that she can suck people into. Oh, right. That was cute. That was cute to have him take her to prom. It's very ish I would say. Yeah, I mean, but it still made me... Like, the whole point of all of that was just to to milk his death and to make you super sad. Because, to be honest, I didn't really care about Khalil, but uh, I do care that Jennifer is sad about Khalil. So that worked. And then even Jefferson feels a little responsible because he's the one that said you should turn yourself into the cops and this is what happened. So he's got guilt. So I I like that everybody felt something for this. I thought that was good. And I think the actor did a really good job of, you know, of portraying that kind of really painful, horrendous death. I thought it was um, I I thought he did very well. It was very convincing. Yeah. Tom will be happy because remember that guy's his student. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> okay, then he should be proud. He did yes. a very good job dying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kudos uh, for the death scene. Next up, we're going to talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Nine-Nine, apparently this is uh, talking about character. Well, she didn't die. Character's leaving. Uh, this, from what I understand, was the actress wanted off the show. And oh. so this was their 
farewell to the actor and to the character. And so they were like, Gina leaves in four movements. Though I thought the opening was hilarious with her oh. her thing. She's like doing this uh, dance routine. Um, and and they were like, oh, that was real. She like dances for like a minute. And everyone's like, oh, that was really nice. And she goes, oh, that was just a warm up. There are four movements. Each one is 45 minutes. And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> uh, so it was good. She Gina was basically Gina as she said goodbye to everyone in her own unique way. Uh, it was kind of like a highlights reel, only in like live action and not with clips. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like all the things that she's done for each person. And she actually got, oh, what is her name to cry? The, the tough woman. Rosa. The, Rosa, thank you. She got Rosa to actually tear up a little bit. And everybody, you know, and, oh, and I like the book. She made this book of all of her tweets and all of that stuff <laughs> right. was, was really hilarious and funny. And it made you remember all the things that Gina's done over the series. So I think it was a good farewell for Gina. It'll make yeah, you I, know, I, know we don't watch the show, but I tuned into this episode. And so as I'm watching, I'm like, no, she's really not leaving. She's going to pull something at the end where she's really not leaving. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, I, I guess maybe she is leaving. <laughs> but I, I yeah, thought one, right. but I, I, I thought it was really funny when they, you know, had to like get into this really ritzy club just so they could like meet oh, Martin that was great. and invite him to the party. And then when he gets there, they're like, nope, nope, sorry, you can't get in. <laughs> that was really great I just felt like that was an excuse for them to dress up and be like we're super uber rich and this is my black card and blah 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 blah. do you think I'm peon enough to carry my own wallet yes. no but daddy's going to let us in I'm just going to call daddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I think we're saying thumbs up right wait I want to say something oh, sorry it's like, sorry, it's sorry. go oh. ahead um, <laughs> I I I think it uh, not enough needs. I mean, I know that it, there was like a massive fan movement to save this show, especially from celebrities. I kind of thought it was like amazing and funny. Um, how many like celebrities were upset that the show was being canceled? Um, and I, I really want to give lip service to out there because if you haven't watched the show, it, you 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 can absolutely binge it on whatever it's whatever wherever it's on. Um, and <laughs> Way to be helpful. Yeah, exactly. They'll figure it out. It's Hulu, Netflix, or Amazon. Um, but um, there, you know, there just really aren't a, there aren't a lot anyway of good half-hour comedies out there. Um, and even like the few that kind of started off with a, a lot of steam are kind of losing steam. Um, you know, the I don't know. Not that I stopped watching them, but like you know, Blackish and Fresh Off the Boat, and I don't know a few other shows. Um, so I think people need to watch this show because it would really be a crime. Yeah. Um, no, I know, right? Um, for it to have been saved and then it to die a slow death on NBC, you know. And I think that the um, the doubling up of the Good Place to make out an hour block was perfect. But you know, the Good Place is only thirteen episodes, so now they don't even have that block. So I'm not quite sure how they're going to fit it into well, the schedule. I will tell you this: the ratings are off the chart for it, so it's it's that's doing it's doing right. good. It's doing good. That's, well, that still doesn't mean that people shouldn't. Ju- I mean, that, that even I'm not disagree. I'm not disagreeing. It's yes, yeah. you should be watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, totally yeah, for sure. And then, and but, I, and I do want to say this last thing about um, uh, Gina Linetti's goodbye. Um, you know, overall, I didn't think it was like the funniest episode ever, but I did think it was a, a really nice tribute to her, um, and it definitely highlighted 
her quirkiness. And I'm really going to miss that quirkiness. Like it was definitely like a, not a palate cleanser, but she was such a foil to almost everybody. And she right. was very distinct on the show. You know what I mean? And a lot of her like, you know, acerbic, you know, kind of one liners and her deadpan answers and all of that stuff. Like, I'm really curious to see, are they going to bring in another assistant and how they're going to kind of write that new character? Cause I feel like they definitely need it. I definitely don't want the boat to like tip to one side. You know what I mean? So I'm really curious to see how they handle uh, the hole that she's kind of left on the show. But anyway, people need to watch because they're missing out. It's really and it hasn't <laughs> after all these episodes, after all these seasons. I don't think so. All right. Uh, I'm not going to disagree. All right. Next next up, we're going to talk about legacies. And when I say we, I see mean people other than me. I will <laughs> say that. This episode is basically the night hag comes into your dreams and your nightmares and then uh, tries to get whatever artifact. I forgot what artifact we're on. Um, the urn. The urn. So then, yes, you guys go talk. Well, first of all, it was not the night hag. It was a fake out so that they couldn't figure out, uh, you know, how to, dis- to defeat the, the creature. So the creature presented as a night hag um and i have to say that i am really on board now i you know i i definitely and you know it's it's my rule i don't know how many episodes in we are now but the point is uh um, you are nine episodes in yeah so you've got to like definitely give a show you know a chance to kind of ramp up it's very rare to me that i'm like super into a show and then you know it doesn't kind of fall off um this show definitely um gathered steam and by like five or six I was very into it but now I you know and the other thing is I I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was surprised at how like gory and creepy the show could be like horror aspect but now that I'm used to it uh, but I will say that this particular episode was super creepy and and as gory as it gets for the show I mean you know obviously other shows are gorier um and I, I don't have children, but I really was thinking like, I, I don't, I wouldn't want my 10 year old to watch this or my 12, maybe 12 year old, but you know, I just was like, this is creepy. Um, but it works for the show. I thought, um, in the beginning when they kind of were doing both, uh, you know, it was like teen angst drama and then, you know, this kind of horror aspect, I thought, I don't know how they're going to balance this in terms of tone, but they, they're in it. They're in the groove. I mean, there's this whole love triangle, between, you know, Wolfie Boy and, and her, you know, her Landon, the sweet guy. And I know you don't ship them equally, but I like the dichotomy. I like the, you know, he's not a bad boy, but he's kind of like the rougher jock kind of, you know, tough guy and the other sweet and sensitive guy. Um, I mean, I, I definitely have a little bit of a favorite, but it's more interesting to me if the show presents them as more equally kind of tug and pull you know for it i mean it makes for an interesting it makes for a more interesting triangle so um but yeah and i even like the mythology i complained that they didn't seem like they had kind of an an overarching mythology so now with the malivore uh the kids thing the triangle the angst between the kids the the uh the triangle the all of it i think it's hitting all the right notes for me now and i'm i'm definitely really enjoying the show yay uh anyone else um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I mean, you know, it, it's sort of, it's sort of a, a one-off show because it only vaguely, you know, had to do with, with the overarching, uh, story arc, you know, in that the, the monster of the week went after the object of the week, 
But, um, you know, what I did, what I appreciated actually most, which is kind of a rarity in these shows, is that the people in charge actually did something responsible, which you so rarely see in programs like this. Because the very first thing they did was they took all the little kids and they stuck them on a bus and they got them the hell out of Dodge. (laughs) And I thought that is actually a smart thing to do. And then they said to the rest of the student body, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we have to keep this here because it's, you know, the safest place to be. We can't have it in, in the general population who would be completely, you know, without any any way of defending themselves. But whoever wants to leave, whoever's not up to this, we have buses going 24-7. So, you know, make the decision on your own. And I thought, now that is a way to handle something like that. That makes sense. So kudos to having their, their heroes behave in an intelligent way. <laughs> I, I really miss that kind of behavior, and I really like that a lot, I have to say. I really want to emphasize, I, I want to back you up on that, because I really, you know, when you're watching a show that's so fantastical, that doesn't mean you want to let go of, like, reality, you know what I mean? In fact, it makes the fantastical more, I don't know, not palatable, but just kind of more fun and interesting when you can combine, like, actual real-world stuff uh, with this stuff going on, and I a thousand percent agree. I mean, I almost clapped. I was like, yes, this is exactly what you should be doing. And, you know, he called it evacuating. And, like, it just, it seemed very real. Like, if this were going to actually happen in a school, this is how they should do it and and all of that. So, yeah, I I think it's important to note that because that, to me, also made the show, um, the show in general and this episode effective because they did put that in. And I think that's smart writing. I think, to me, that shows, like, you know, we're going to do lip service to this because it seems ridiculous not to make it a part of the experience of, what was happening with the yeah. invasion or whatever. So yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Yeah. Hats off for the special effects this week. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, the, the night crawler person was really creepy, but then he's like, show me your face. And he's like, show me your real face. And he like peels off the yeah! face. And I was like, that was gross. <laughs> that was so that was terrifying. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that was really, really good. Um, and then the only other um, thing that I had uh, for this episode is I'm just a little worried that we're kind of getting into a pattern of of uh, Hope saving the day every single week. Well, you and know, I she, like she, that they she's, she is the superhero of the show to most. But go ahead. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So, no, go ahead. Go. What were you so, going to Yeah, say? so I guess we're... Well, I was... Yeah, and I didn't really realize that. I thought they were going to do more of kind of a group thing and 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 I like the fact that some that some of the other folks helped like you know they they all went they all decided instead of staying awake that they were going to go to sleep to try to get the the night creature out of the dream like Freddy Krueger and so they kind of helped out but they were kind of in the background and it was kind of all a hope thing and and I'm just wondering if that's the way all of the rest of the episodes are going to play Well not no not all of them definitely I mean each person has their strength and depending on the situation You'll see different things happen. That's all I can say. Greg, have you been watching from the beginning? Yes, I sure have. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure because I, I think because I know you mentioned with Brooklyn Nine Nine, you you kind of you know swooped in. But um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I know I'm talking a lot, but I wanted to say something about that too. Um, not so much about your comment, but I kind of loved. You're not wrong, but again, I feel like it, it, it's a show of not lazy writing. They kind of did sort of emphasize that. She even said, you know, she was like, uh, hello, I'm the one with the superpowers, you know, like when she was talking to the to um, Alaric. 
Um, which again, I thought was very realistic. Like, dude, you're a civilian. She's got all these superpowers. Like, you know, so, and then, and when they slow-mo the walk down the hallway, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was like funny. You know, there's like a little nod to all these little things. And then when one of them said, one of them said to the other, dude, that was really hot, you know, or like really sexy. <laughs> I thought these are all realistic things, I think. I don't know. I just, I liked every little note. There were like lots of little small moments and stuff that I kind of made the 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 um, episode dense for me in a good way. Like the lots of little thoughts of things to be said and actions and stuff. So for me, I thought this was a highlight episode for me, honestly. Yay. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Magicians. And this episode surprised the heck out of me because by the they did this whole build up where the 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 Dean Dean what is his name Dean something Ugh. oh um the Dean I'll just call him the, the Dean, dean. Uh, they did dean this whole Fogg. thank you they did this whole build up about once he got jammed with that uh, needle that he was gonna get drawn into the the protective witness thing and that he was going to forget who he is and he's going to become somebody else. And so it was like this really long episode of him writing his memoirs, saying goodbye to everybody, doing those things that he always wanted to do, like punch some dude out. And it was pretty awesome. They did this whole thing about it and you're like, Oh my God, this is going to be awful. And then when you find out who he becomes, I was like, Oh no. And it's really, really bad. And then they break the spell like five minutes later and then everybody's back to themselves. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, I wasn't looking forward to Dean Fogg being a bum on the street, to be honest. So that's, that's like a waste of his character. So I actually did appreciate that he doesn't have to do that, but I really was surprised that once we learn about this spell, everyone gets broken out of the spell. And um, they basically are now themselves and they immediately end up in danger within five seconds of breaking out the spell. Well, that was the whole reason for the spell. I know. They would be in danger right. so fast. <laughs> but, you know, there was this one thing that happened during when, when he did make the transition, when he turned into this street bum that I that, that really surprised me. And I don't have a, an explanation for it yet. And that's that Marina looks at him and she calls him dad. Yes, because that's his undercover personality that she made for him is that he is he's undercover as her father who lives on the street as a bum. Okay. Like I think she I, created I don't recall that. that they ever they ever said that outright before. No so it was they really haven't. surprising for no. me to just, you know it's like, oh well that explains a few she, things she, about Marina. Yeah, she obviously hates her dad. Like he was he was obviously like an alcoholic and treated her horribly. And she, I think she made this identity deliberately to remind herself not to go back to what her father was or whatever, and to punish the Dean. Yeah. So it was a twofold kind of hit. But yeah, it does explain more about her. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really, I thought that they were going to have them as their secret identities for at least a couple more episodes. So I was really surprised. Magicians, just the plot is moving and I love it. Thank you. Let's move. Yeah, I do like seeing especially um, uh, Quentin and not Elliot <laughs> wandering around together. And I'm wondering more and more what it is this thing that this the monster is looking for. Oh, because they, no they, didn't, they didn't specify exactly right. what. But I'm starting to wonder, because he's very specific about going after gods, if maybe the monster prior to being a monster was a god and what he's searching for is is to get its its godhead back again. 
it's godhood back that's um, possible. So I'm I'm just wondering if that is possible, or or since it leaps bodies a lot, maybe it's original body. I'm I'm sort of caught between the two. But, but it's obviously super crazy because Elliot. He was like, so when you get what you want, does that mean you're going to leave Elliot? And he was like, you mean you prefer your friend to me? And I was like, <laughs> uh, there is no correct answer to that question. <laughs> Bad things are about to ensue. This It's with those conversations that you have that you know are going to go bad no matter what. Right. I was like, yeah, don't answer that question. That's bad. Uh, any other thoughts before we move on? Uh, okay. Just, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. I, I love the characters. I love that they're back knowing who they, they are so that they can, you know, essentially just function as themselves. Right. And uh, I'm, you know... Every time the show gets started, it's like one of these things where I just sit down with the popcorn and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And they only took two episodes to do it. It was great. Yeah, yes. I was impressed. Yeah. All right. Next. I got to jump on this train. Yes, jump. You're giving everybody else so much trash about, you know, jumping on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and jumping on Good Place. You need to jump on this one. All right. All right. Sounds good. Next up, we're going to talk about Deadly Class. And I want to hear from Greg because he decided to try to watch... In the, it's episode three without watching the previous two. And you said it was a little confusing. Yeah, it was. It's so weird. I mean, I'm watching this and I'm trying to just from, you know, context, try to pick up like what these characters are, what they're trying to do. And all I could pick up was just it was just high school and a lot of bullying, um, you know, people putting rat, you know, making food with rats. Um, <laughs> you do the, realize that the school is for assassins. It's not a regular high school. They're teaching all these kids to be assassins, right? I listen to the podcast, of okay, course. Okay, I'm just checking what it's for. But it's it just seemed to me it struck me the tone of it kind of struck me like I felt like, um, you know, especially with the one character who just laughs all the time. You know, oh, even seemed, when he's getting beat up, he laughs about it. Yeah, he seems part. He seems partially or mostly insane. <laughs> so it's really just striking me like this entire thing is taking place in uh, Arkham Asylum, and it's part of the DC universe. Uh, I can see why you would think that if you hadn't watched the first two episodes. Uh, you should back up and watch the first two episodes. Um, but I, I really liked this episode because. It really um, emphasized the whole class system, and it and it goes to actually one of Allison's points that she one of her problems with it is that mm-hmm. they say that this school is supposed to be about going against the man and going against society and all of that, but the, a lot of the students are actually children of power, and it was she was like it's a contradiction, and in this episode they address the contradiction. Which yes. is one of the teachers was like, well, <clears throat> when you hired me to be a teacher, you pitched me. This you said we're going to go against the man and we're going to have a bunch of students who are who you know have a problem. We're going to basically have a class of nothing but the rats, as they call them, um, kids that have some some issue with power and do all this stuff, just like you know the poster says, I guess. And and he also insinuated that they only hire or only bring in a few kids who are rats. And then something that happens in the final exam, all of them generally end up dead. And he was like, I can't deal with this anymore. I was like, you lied to me. And I went along with it, hoping it would get better. 
And as, if anything, it's gotten worse. And he was like, how many rats graduated last year? And the answer was obviously none. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it, it's, it, it, I like that it addressed the issue you were talking about, Allison. Did you appreciate that? I appreciated it enormously, actually. The, the, for me, this show kind of came together with this episode because prior to that, I, I thought, well, it could be part of the story, but it could be just sloppy writing because, right. you know, we see enough of that on TV. And I, I was just caught between the two. And where this episode was concerned, they made it very, very clear that this is actually not just part of the story but it is the crux of the story that there there is you know what they say is not what they do right and and as a result um henry rollins character is now on the run because he'd had enough you know so he now uh has fled the school and and has assassins after him and um the uh the kids like you said the the rats who the school is supposed are supposed to be for are the ones who are just sort of being shuffled in more as as bait than anything else. It's right. like they're just there to be killed off, pr- probably by the other kids. Right. I, I would I would venture to say that probably because he made such a point of of saying learn as much as you can and then get out before finals. Right. And I would assume that it's because finals not only you know eliminates the weakest per se, but Part of the exam is probably the, the the kids at the top of this food chain killing off the kids at the bottom. That right. that is specifically Ooh. what they're meant to do. Yeah, yeah. That's the impression right. I got as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I, I got, I went completely there, but I mean, I mean, I, I understand why you would think that. And I agree now that you've said it out loud. Um, but, but surely, I mean, for, you know, he definitely said get out before the end. So, I mean, I knew something awful was going to happen. Um, but um, can I just say, because you guys have, you know, hit a lot of things that I, I agree with. Um, what's up with the human table chair business? That was, <laughs> that was full on eyes wide shut meets, you know. I, don't even, I, I didn't just, know what like, was going on. Who just, just tuned in? I'm like, what is this? Well, yes. we hadn't just tuned in and we were still the same way. This is the first time and we've I, ever seen that. Yeah. I, actually like thought I had looked away or blacked out or like like, what show am I watching I was like did I leave the room without remembering that I left the room what is going on um so and not not that that's a bad thing but I just was like wow they're just bringing this in now I don't know where the show is going um but I do want to Swing back to what Greg said, because I was also very interested to hear what he had to say, having dropped in on on this show in episode three. And um, I won't disagree with him, though, as far as me being a fan of the show and, you know, kind of watching the progression. I, I there was a part of me at first that was kind of like, oh, God, is this really just going to devolve into, you know, the Breakfast Club, whatever high school John Hughes, you know, with knives kind of a thing. I really. Oh, because I, they had the dance and stuff. Yes, the dance and the, you know, putting her in the yellow dress and her running off. And I thought, oh, no, I didn't find out. I was expecting a Carrie thing. to. Uh, Yeah, except that what I appreciate is they were like, oh, they humiliated you. Let's go kill them. I was like, oh, of course. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, but it's still it was just John Hughes amped up 
You know what I mean? Like it was still let's retaliate. So I was like, oh, no, I was like, is this what the show is going to be turned into? Because I'm not going to be down with that. Um, but but, you know, then, it, you know, then human chair table thing came in. And I, was like, <laughs> I thought, OK, this definitely did not happen in a John Hughes movie. So I'm thinking this is not OK. Now, I mean, as strange as it may sound, I think I'm back in. But like, <laughs> I, I, so I don't know what the show is doing. And that's OK. That's OK. I mean, first it was very Hogwartsy, Then it was John Hughes. And now it's Eyes Wide Shut. Like, we don't know who this character is. So then, yeah, it's all over the place. And I'm going to let it be that way for now. You know, it, it needs to gel for me at some point, you know, and I'm really liking the lead character. I have no idea who he is. I've never seen him in anything. I don't think he's been in much. Um, and it pivots on him. Absolutely. I mean, it goes without saying he's the main character, but sometimes you can like have a weak main character. Oh, I'm thinking um, Krypton, right? We're not yeah. all super yeah. of him but we love enough about the show you know what i mean so it does it goes you know it's not necessarily a given that you have to love the main character but i think his acting is outstanding um i think that he you know his struggle and his fight and all of that stuff is is really interesting and and fun and we need to wrap it up though so anyway so and you know with the show being as crazy as it is um i definitely think it's I'm hoping it's going to be a fun ride, but I'm, I'm, I'm in it and I want to see where they take it. And I'm hoping they tie all that stuff together intelligently. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek discovery and this is episode three. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man, uh, this one, I mean, if this episode wraps up the whole Klingon storyline, which is what it looks like it did, then fine. I'm glad they got it out of the way. I don't want to deal with it. And they're like, Oh, and so during war times, the Klingons shaved their head. But now that it's not war times anymore, they've all grown their hair out. And it's all, everyone has their hair down their back already. I'm like, they wait, what? did it what? in one line. One line. I of- know, that was so ridiculous. Was perfect. Absolutely it was, perfect. It was perfect because they dealt with it in a way that was dumb. But, like, I, I don't even know why that had to be a thing. But whatever. They dealt with it. They've now established that the woman is now the ruler and they did all that and they made sure she looked like she was hardcore. They gave her a baby for uh, some unknown reason and then stuck the baby in a monastery. I was like, what? Why did we even introduce the baby? Um, So they did a lot of stuff that made my head hurt um, with the Klingon storyline. And somebody was like, well, didn't you really like the fight scene where Ash and everybody had this huge, big Klingon battle? hand to hand and I was like it would have been cool if Ash Tyler hadn't had that huge cape floating around I was I, like that I was so that. impractical I, like <laughs> it felt like you know how like they do the su- of, superhero I thing kept, like, go ahead I kept thinking of the Incredibles where exactly no, no capes <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly what I was thinking well and also because they they slowed parts of the fight down to slow-mo so like he's whipping around and that cape's whipping around and like hitting his opponents like in the face and I was like, why doesn't somebody just grab that cape and just, like, yank him down by it? Like, it was so impractical. Uh, so I couldn't even enjoy the fight because I'm distracted by his stupid cape. Um, well, go ahead. I, wait, I just want to jump in because I think we all feel that way. Because I seriously, at some point, I thought, why don't you take the cape off? Like, you know when people, like, take off their earrings and they're all like, oh, I'm fighting now. You know what yeah. I mean? I thought he would, like, just take off the cape, you know, and then, like, fight. And I was wondering if maybe, like... 
I mean, maybe they in practice or something when they were like choreographing the thing, they 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 were like, yeah, this isn't really working. We're gonna need to camouflage like him and his moves or something. Like, let's make it a little more dynamic or something. Or we have to hide like the fighting, you know? Because because I also thought it was just really openly like a bad choice and I don't really see them making a lot of bad choices like that. So uh, yeah, I thought that was weird too. I mean, yeah. obviously we all did. So, yeah, it was just, it was so distracting to me. So yeah. uh, other than the Klingon story, which I generally speaking did not like other than it now appears that it's over. And at the end of the storyline, they have now taken Ash Tyler from the Klingon homeworld, And now he's part of section 31. So they put I him on the, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, we had this episode to move Ash Tyler from the Klingon homeworld to Giorgio's uh, Section Thirty One ship. So now he's part of her crew, and I was like, all right, fine. Like I get that's what they were trying to do, and for that, I'm I'm like, okay, I accept this. But I wanted to get the bad out. I wanted to get the bad out before I moved on to the good. But go ahead. But wait, I want to rebut that though because you because you said it. I, I I didn't have a problem at all with the baby and the this and all of that stuff Ugh. because it reminded me very much. No, but let me hear me out because, like you said, it it served the purpose of getting him you know into section thirty one and also like you said, if it wraps it up, I really felt like it, something massively dramatic had to happen in order for them in order for her to like reestablish her you know her leadership and it reminded me <clears throat> excuse me very much of if if not shakespearean actual history where you know the virgin queen where she as a woman and the whole like having a lover not having an heir blah 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 whatever she like takes care of that by saying oh i had an heir and guess what i've killed it you know what i mean like it was super no she dramatic. didn't say she killed it she said tyler killed it whatever but the point yes yeah, sorry no but i meant like she the the purpose of that was for her to she literally said she's like i have no you know mate or i have no child or it was very virgin queen like where she was like my you are my children basically england is you know was queen elizabeth's country you know what i mean so i thought that was very regal and very you know strong and it needed to be otherwise i also wouldn't have believed it nor would the klingons have you know kind of really believed her commitment like they, they something dramatic had to happen so i actually don't mind that at all uh, because i think part of it is i don't like laurel at all uh, and so I, I don't buy her as a leader i don't buy her as the head of the whatever and even like all this stuff just ugh. but narratively plot wise i felt I, it needed it and i thought they did a really good job because i i wouldn't have bought it otherwise like i really wouldn't have i mean because the klingons are such uh, you know, patriarchal and and yeah. violent, yeah. you know, whatever society she needed to be like that dramatic and and like I said, history. You know, there's there's proof in the history. Like it was very queen queen. queen well, Elizabeth. let's 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 move on to the yeah. other and, stuff in the plot. And uh, and, and I think it's definitely uh, shows that this is not your daddy's Star Trek when you're showing exactly. baby Klingon heads on television. And that's true yep. too. But let's move on to the other stuff which I liked. Which was, uh, we have Amanda show up, and her and um, Michael are trying to figure out what's the deal with Spock. And what's, like, the doctors won't give them any information, everything is top secret. And even Pike, who tries, he's like, well, if you guys are having such a hard time, let me try to use my clearance to find you some information. And they stonewall him. And he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I have top secret clearance. They're like, not for this. And he's like, what? And they're like, Spock has murdered three doctors. And he's like, wait, what? 
And so now you're like, all right, somebody's lying about something and covering something up. And so now they've created this big mystery, which I think is kind of cool as far as them trying to, you know, figure out how the Red Angel fits into the whole storyline and what does that mean. But her conversation with her mom was really interesting to me because she was like, you and Spock got along really well and then something happened and, and maybe it was because he was afraid of this. And she's like, no, I did something unforgivable so he'd stay away from me because I was afraid he'd get hurt because he was always following me around. And she's like, I've tried to apologize a million times and never worked. And I'm like, and her mom, her, I like that her mom had this weird reaction to where she kisses her and then she walks out. And I was like, was that like, what did that mean? Like, was it, because it was very ambiguous to me. It was, it was, it was, I couldn't tell if it was, I understand what you did and I still love you or I understand what you did, but now I can't forgive you. Like it was, I couldn't figure out which way they were going with that. So I thought that was really interesting. But I think, wasn't at the end of the conversation where she says, where she realizes that Burnham can't save Spock, that. Well, she said, I will save him. Yes, yes. But I couldn't decide if it was because she's like, once Burnham tells her what she did, whether she's like, well, now you've removed yourself from being the one that can save her, save him or whatever. I wasn't sure. Like, I couldn't decide if that really put a a divide between them. Because then once she leaves, then Burnham just starts crying. And I was like, wait, what happened? So I'm, I, I like the family dynamics that they have going on and all of this. Burnham really feels like she has to redeem herself because of whatever she did, which, of course, they're still not going to tell us. They're, they're probably not going to tell us until Spock shows up, is my calculation. Um, right. But I liked Pike in this episode a lot because he very much shows that he's, he and Spock are really good friends and that he's not going to betray that friendship but he really cares about the family and all this other stuff. So I really liked Pike in this episode and I really liked uh, Amanda. I thought she did it. This is probably the most we've seen her in the entire series so far. And there's also the Tilly storyline. Oh, right. Tilly, Tilly, that conversation between Tilly and Michael was fantastic. That was really good. But the, the only, I guess the only problem I have with it is that, you know, you're on a starship, right? So if you're, if you know that you're seeing imaginary people, you would go tell someone. And Tilly was like trying to keep it to herself um, for the whole time until she completely broke down on the bridge and she looked like a crazy person in front of the captain. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, it hadn't been going on all season. It's like she realized she was seeing her at the end of the last episode and this episode was only like a day later. So it wasn't like she was waiting a really long time about it. It did, but and, she did. Go ahead. And it was emphasized by the fact that she was in that program, and she didn't want anything to jeopardize that program, right? Because you know I mean? yeah. it was a heightened sense of secrecy for her. You know what I mean? She was like, yeah. "Oh my god, this cannot be happening right now." You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's so she was I, in the, I, Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. No, I was just that's all I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, but then she goes. Then she goes. I quit, and she walks off the bridge. Well, that's because she, she only said I quit because she figured she was already fired. It was like yeah, exactly. Yeah, she figured she, goes, she was already done because of her very outburst. Tilly. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was all like well within her, like you know the way the character's written. I thought it was very authentic, all of it. You know what I mean? The hiding and then the quitting and all of that. That didn't, you know, for me, you know, bring Surprise. any bad no, no. or anything. I thought it was good, and then her conversation with Burnham. Because at first you're thinking it's just a manifestation of her subconscious, but then when it started trying to get her to do stuff, and I was like, wait, what? That's when you knew something was wrong. 
you know, and I thought that was great. They did a really good job of her and Michael figuring out what it was. And she's like, you don't need a doctor. You need Stamets. And that was really yeah, good. Yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah. And then, I, I really liked the episode. Yeah. I liked all of that. I, you know, me and me and Laurel don't get along. So, and I really don't like Ash Tyler either. So you have a storyline that has the main character, Ash Tyler and Laurel. I'm just not going to like it. That's just, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I I know he was never my biggest fan, but at least if they're going to use him, I like what they did with him. Do you know what I mean? I would have been completely bored if all we were watching was the two of them, you know, beat away, you know, usurpers or, you know, uh, fighting coup attempts all the time. That would have been incredibly boring. And I didn't want to see them raise a secret baby. So, you know. (laughs) <laughs> pretend killing it and sending it off to monastery it's all fine for me you know what i mean and and i don't i didn't need ash tyler to come back but i guess if they wanted him to come back then i'm fine with what they're doing with him you know what i mean yeah all right let's move on uh next up we're going to talk about how to get away with murder and this week's episode um you had two two the lawyers at um what is uh key what wow i'm forgetting the main lawyer's name um keely key what is well, her they're name? A, they're at kaplan and gold no but i'm talking about the main character what is her name annalise thank annalise. you i was like keating i was trying to say keating i was like keeling keela keela no keating okay key lime um yes Annalise Keating I really like that the two lawyers from Ashley Gold or whatever were Kaplan and Gold were both trying to hit on her and one in a more subtle way than the other because she was like oh is such and such is she hot is she like the kind of hot that goes for you that you go for and she's like what (laughs) she's in the (laughs) elevator like I don't know what's happening and then the, the dude was like uh, we should celebrate. Maybe go to dinner. He's, she's like, isn't your ex in town? She's like, yeah, but that's obviously over. And I was like, dude, <laughs> like she's literally his ex is in the same room and he's hitting on Annalise and the look on her face is fantastic. She's like, ah, uh, what? I don't know about that. And I, I, all of that was good. And then of course you have the complications of murder and Nate and him trying to prove they're trying to change the narrative of, of who killed Miller and all of that stuff, which is got super convoluted by yeah, the end of the episode. And poor Bonnie, man. Bonnie finally realizes that no, we don't think unless they're going to pull something out of the hat in, a, in the next couple episodes. I mean, Miller was not involved in nope. getting Nate's dad killed. And so Bonnie realizes that Nate is still on the war path and Bonnie is just like, and, and, and technically, I mean, Nate technically didn't kill him. You know, as Bonnie said, you know, they could have called an ambulance or something and got him taken to the hospital. Bonnie took it on herself to, you know, take him out. So um, this wasn't this definitely wasn't a good episode for her um, as she tried to end it. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, Nate's Nate's out of control. I mean, he's not listening to anybody. He's not listening to Annalise. He's he's not listening to Frank. Um, You know, he's just, you know, I'm figuring Nate is going to be the next one that dies. Based on his behavior. Yeah. Well, although the last move that they made looked like something that they had actually plotted, they had actually agreed on. Oh, with him uh, pointing the finger at the governor? Right, exactly. Yeah. That, that that was planned. Right. Right. So I guess they're, they've all come together on a diabolical scheme. Um, well, they need and- to take the governor out because I actually think the governor is the one that 
killed his father. Oh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So framing her for a murder that she didn't commit doesn't make me feel bad. Mm. Um, but anyway, I think oh, this... Now, go ahead. Go ahead. But now it seems like uh, Keating's son... Um, Not his son. Oh, the... Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the other guy's son. Yeah, the new guy. The Keating's son seems to be in trouble now, though. Well, yeah, because they need a scapegoat. They don't want to go after the governor. They want to go after someone easier. So now it looks like they're going at they're going after him because they want they found out he was trying to collect information on Annalise, and they everybody wants to take Annalise down, and Annalise literally has done nothing. So uh, did they say in the episode she's the only one who hasn't killed somebody? Yeah, she's the only one who hasn't committed a murder, and everybody wants to take her down because they all think she committed all the murders. And so they they're getting that guy to get try to get Annalise to be his lawyer so that Annalise will tell him something and then he has to report it back to the FBI because they think they're going to get Annalise on some murder and I was like except she didn't kill anybody so I don't know what murder you're trying to get her on but whatever all right let's move she on she needs to commit a murder so she can look innocent like everybody else <laughs> <laughs> she's really out of the club right now. <laughs> All right, uh, next up, we're going to talk about The Blacklist. And this week's episode is basically like Liz uh, tried to get her dad out of the way for a month or two so she could do her own investigation and ended up getting him on death row. Oops. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> it's like... Uh, does she? Do you think she feels bad or is she just playing the part? I think she does feel bad that the plan didn't go the way she wanted. She thought that he would have some slick way to get out of this. She really didn't think that it was going to go this far. And mm-hmm. it, it's now going, she's over her head. It's gone way further than she anticipated. Cause as much as she might say she's mad at, at him, she still cares about him. And right now though, part of her is also guided by fear because he's so adamant about trying to figure out who did this to him. And she's the idiot that didn't disguise her voice. I was like, why would you call 911 and not disguise your voice? Have you because not? Because as, as we have seen demonstrated again and again, she is an idiot. And that's I'm what like, really, come... that's what kills me with the show. Because all the characters except Red are stupid. Well, she usually has, like she says, she's learned from him. And she usually has. But I feel like that was just a really, like, it, that's just a really simple that Dang. was basic. That was very basic. Um, so anyway, so now she's screwed because she knows that some kind of way he's going to. And if I was her, my move would be destroying that tape. Like that would be knowing that he's going to do all he can to try to hear it. I would be all about destroying Because one, if she manages to destroy the tape, then it helps him that there's a conspiracy against him. And um, it helps her because her voice is now gone. It helps him, and it basically, he's out of the way as long as she had wanted, which is a couple of months. Um, so all of those things, if she now wrecks the the um, trial, it actually works to her benefit. Mm-hmm. But let's see if she's smart enough to figure that out. <laughs> well, what did you think about the blacklister um, portion of the, the storyline? Because... Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of starts out where Red is saying that he he's he's kind of it, it appears that he's afraid because since the word has gotten out that he's in prison, that people are going to try to distance himself from him. And then um, he's going to lose all his money. 
Yeah, that's what he was worried about. Yeah. Was, well, he says that, but then we go through we we go through the whole storyline, and you know we got that you know these criminals or whatever who are trying to get a hold of that guy's money, um, and then at the end of the episode, you realize you know Red kind of says, well, it turns out that it didn't have the people who killed him weren't trying to destroy me. It was all about greed. But then at the end of the episode, I'm almost thinking that Red set the whole thing up. No, he didn't. Because they they had been in place a year before. It was it, it didn't have anything it didn't have anything to do with him. That's what um how oh, Dembe told him. Dembe was like, uh this all ended up working out for you because he had an heir and the heir gets this dude's spot and we we told him what we did for him, so he now voted with us. So he had nothing right. to do with it. Well, but but from Red's perspective, Red wasn't sure if the guy was going to vote with him right, anyway. Right, but he also didn't know that the guy had a son at all. So that didn't work. It, he did no, not he have... just thought that he'd been assassinated by the right. people. He, it, was, it was not a Red plot at all. That was the point of the episode, that Red was assuming all this was about him, and it wasn't about him at all. That was the whole point. Okay. I'm giving Red too much credit, because I was thinking he orchestrated the whole thing, because now... Uh, he has a, he definitely has a 100% positive vote versus an iffy vote before. No, 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 no. No, he, he didn't know. That was because, uh, yeah, that was not his plan. All right, let's move on. I'm still in for the blacklist, but he needs to get out of jail. Him being in jail is starting to get boring. All right, next up, I want to talk about Always a Witch or Sempre Bruja which is a Colombian show on Netflix. It's all in Spanish, so they're either you speak Spanish, which would be great, or there are nice subtitles. Um, and the premise of this or show... Or there's a dubbed version. If you, don't, if you don't use the settings on your Netflix correctly. Why would you want to hear a dubbed version? That's crazy. Okay. Um, the premise of this show is that it's starts off in 1620-something, and this woman is being... She's a slave... And she's being burned as a witch at the stake because apparently a slave knowing how to read and write must be witchcraft. And also they think that and her boyfriend is one of her slave masters, which is actually there's a whole thing on the Internet. People are freaking out about that, which I, <clears throat> I understand why they would be freaking out about it because they're like, oh, but he's a nice guy and he's the love of her life. And I was like, and he bought her. <laughs> so uh, consent's a little iffy on that situation. Um, so I'm not 100% behind that, but luckily the show does not spend very much time in the 1600s. You spend 90% of your time in the present day. She very quickly gets taken from the stake to the future. And with the understanding that she has to complete a mission by some wizard that's like, complete my mission and then I will grant you a wish. And I was like, eh, it's a little sketchy. That doesn't seem like that's going to turn out that well. Um... But she's determined to complete the mission so she can save her love. So that's the premise. And it's very fish out of water. She's from the 1600s trying to figure out how to fit in in 2019 in Cartagena. So, Allison, what did you... Oh, you didn't see it! I didn't. No, oh, I'm sorry. Sadness. I have it on my queue. And I meant to watch it last night. And then I got otherwise <laughs> uh, distracted. Well, Which I... we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I will say that... If you can make it past the five minutes of her being in love with her slave master, which is disturbing, and get to the future, 
the future storyline works really well. You get introduced to all these other students and characters. And some of the stuff on how she figures out how... Because she has no money. And we're going to ignore the fact that her Spanish from the 1600s is probably very different from the Spanish that's spoken now. We won't, we won't deal with that. Uh, <clears throat> the fact that she has to figure out how to live, how to get clothes, how to do whatever... All those things uh, is a little far-fetched that she she knows that she manages to do some of that stuff. But um, especially the first episode, they do a lot uh, for her fish-out-of-water situation, which I thought was pretty good. Um, they start they don't quite ignore it later on because she still doesn't really know what a cell phone is. What like she doesn't like this one woman is trying to explain to her how it'll be the end of the world if people see a video of her having having sex with some seeing her basically her sex tape. And she was like, but you record yourself doing everything and you post it. And she was like, yes, but you don't want to post of you having sex. She was like, she's like, she doesn't understand why you would do one and not the other. She's like, okay, what? <laughs> and I like that because it's a really interesting because in her trying to understand current day culture, it's really kind of speaking to current day culture. Um, and this girl's like, it'll be the end of the world. It'll be end of me. It'll be... My he's like my reputation will be destroyed, and she's like, okay, um, and I like the fact that she actually is a witch. She got burned at the stake for being a witch, but because she actually is a witch, she just teleported herself out of there. Which was my theory. I was like, if they're really witches that they're burning at the stake, can't they just use their powers and not be burned at the stake? <laughs> but um, and so this is one of those situations where that's where that happens, and I thought that was pretty cool. But they introduce there are all these characters that are in the present day. From just regular students to just this crazy guy that lives at the place she manages to like um, live at. It's like it's like a hotel, and she manages to uh, figure out a way to stay there. And all of that stuff is all those storylines are really good. And and her friend that she gets at the hotel is an idiot, like grade A idiot. But I have to give him credit. And once he realizes how badly he screwed... Because she told him very clearly, do not do this thing. This is very dangerous. And he goes, oh, okay, I won't do it. And then five minutes later, he's doing it, and it blows up in his face. And he actually completely puts her in a lot of danger and does all this stuff. But I have to give him credit because once he realizes that he owns it, and he tries to, like, trade his life for hers. He's like, I... He was like, it's totally it was me. <laughs> it's like, I screwed this up. Don't hurt her. Take me instead. And I was like, oh, okay. You're still an idiot, but all right. I appreciate the loyalty. So the story goes, it, I don't know where it's, I've only seen three or four. Um, but I like the direction of the show. I like her especially. The lead, she's fantastic. And she carries you through. And you have to really like her to for the show. to Because it's definitely 90% her point of view. So, I'm saying thumbs up. Give it a shot. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Russian Doll, which also dropped. Like, both of these shows dropped on Friday. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> Netflix, you know, there's more than one Friday. You could do one the next Friday. All right, so what do you think, Allison? I saw the pilot, so I only saw one episode, so please don't spoil me too much. 
Okay. Well, um, I was intending to just see like the pilot and maybe one additional episode and then switch over to watch Always a Witch. And unfortunately, I never got so far as to see Always a Witch. It just kind of sucked me in. And it's, I, 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 I love this show. It's, um, first of all, it's, it's very easy to get sucked into it. It moves very fast. The episodes are, are less than a half an hour long, and there's only eight of them. So they, they get through this story. I didn't realize they, it was that short. At light speed. It, it really, there's, there's like no, unlike a lot of stuff that goes on Netflix, there's no like sagging middle stuff. Well, you what, know, I, what I appreciated was it, it is a Groundhog's Day situation, but it's mm-hmm. not the whole day. It's literally like it starts at like nine o'clock at night and then it goes like three hours and then she resets. So right. well, it's not it, a lot of time. It's it actually it's it's the thing that you think of immediately, of course, is Groundhog Day. But what is different is that we're not restricted to just that little length of time. I mean, with Groundhog Day, it didn't matter whether he died or went to sleep or tried to get out of town or whatever it was. By the time that clock flipped over to 6 a.m., he it was, was back 6 a.m., yeah. he was back. And it was 6 a.m. the previous day. And where this is concerned, she can go like up to two days. Oh. And it's it's entirely whether she dies or not. And the, the, the thing is, she keeps dying in increasingly bizarre and outlandish <laughs> ways. Um, there's this one bit that happens, I think it's in the very next episode, actually, which is like a montage of her just trying to get down the stairs without dying. And, and she keeps failing in, <laughs> in just increasingly hilarious and bizarre ways um, till she finally decides instead she's going to take the fire escape which is obviously so much safer. Um, but it's it's just, there are moments of this that are so hilarious. It's really funny. It's not surprising with a show like this that it's also got its poignant moments, but what did surprise me is how dark it can get at certain points. They really bring in things that you're just not expecting, and some of them are really, really dark. Well, and there are other I, things- got, I got confused by the end of the first episode where she finally makes it across the street because every other time she almost got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. So she finally makes it across the street. She finds her cat. She's sitting there petting her cat. And then her cat disappears. And I was like, wait, right. what? And then she immediately dies. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that's how I ended. And not, and that's why I texted you. I was like, so is the cat real? Is that a part of her, her subconscious? Or like, what am I supposed to be thinking about this? But there are obviously a lot of pieces like there's the stranger that's across the street that she keeps thinking she knows. There's that weird guy, the deli, that's obviously like intoxicated or shot or something's going on with him. And so they've given you little clues of different things that you want to go. I was like, oh, I want to rewind and find out about this. This is one of those things I figure I almost want the whole Bandersnatch situation where I can make decisions uh, (laughs) so that I could get the character to do stuff. But oh, well. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, you know, you see people wandering around in the background and you, you never know, are these people going to, to play a part that's bigger later on or are they just background people? And, and they keep throwing you in different directions. And all, what I also thought was really, really surprising is that this, as, as the further along it goes, and the cat disappearing gives you uh, uh, an, an example of what's going to happen 
more frequently later um, with weird things going on is that it starts to take on really kind of a, like a Twilight Zone or Night Gallery vibe. There are moments where I got real chills, you know, and not chills like the kind of thing you get with, with a monster do, doing something gross, but really that kind of Twilight Zone deep terror, you know, like that, that chill that goes through you when something is just wrong. And, and there, there are these moments that they hit the further along they go. Because, again, unlike uh, where um, Groundhog Day, where the only supernatural thing happening was that the time kept resetting, increasingly strange and inexplicable things happen throughout this. And they all eventually well, my question, tie together. Thank you. I was going to say, does it all make sense by the end? Oh, it, it all makes perfect sense. Yeah, the, okay. the whole the title of the thing, Russian Doll, it's basically this this idea that you start with the, the larger story and then each episode really kind of gets further and further down to the crux of what's going on. You, you're peeling back the layers, you know, and finding something underneath. And and they do that beautifully. And and it, and they do it incredibly economically. You Like I said, unlike the usual... Net, uh, Netflix production, there's no sagging bits where you just, okay, well, you have to get through these middle episodes and then it gets good again. There's nothing like that. It just takes off like a rocket and keeps amping up the, uh, the, the strangeness and the weirdness and, and the humor and everything and, and the mystery of what is happening uh, on screen. Okay. So, and the performances are great too. I mean, there's there's actually <clears throat> more than one alumni of Orange Is the New Black. You have the lead, uh, Natasha, which was Black. bothering me so much <laughs> when I was like, I was like, why do I know her? I know her. Why do I know her? I know her. I was doing that over and over again, and then I was like, oh, or, and then it, before I actually managed to hit IMDb, I was like, I know her from Orange, and like it, it clicked. Yeah, there's another character who shows up who's also from Orange is the New Black. You'll know uh, who this person is immediately. But uh, the thing that threw me with this is that essentially, apparently, she only has one character that she plays. So her character is so much like the character in Orange is the New Black. It's it's basically that character, but if she hadn't been thrown in jail and was straight. Uh, <laughs> but in every other way, she's she's pretty much the same thing. I did, I did uh, think that was... I was like... Because there's this moment where you le- realize she likes guys. I was like, wait, she doesn't like guys. And I went, wait, oh, wait, that's the other. But she is behaving exactly like her. Exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. I thought that right. was weird. And the whole thing that loving drugs and everything else. Yeah, exactly. She, she was not stretched that much. No, but she does give a really good performance, even though it's not a, a whole new character. Um, it's She still gets into the emotional truth of the character i think and that becomes more and more apparent with every episode that goes by so i i stopped worrying about the fact that she was so much like she was in orange is the new black and started accepting this character as it went along okay all right so we're gonna say thumbs up for that i guess i'll keep watching so so we can talk about it uh the next podcast like we can actually finish it and you gotta watch always a witch i will see yes i will yes that is my next and also hannah just dropped uh hannah's apparently live on amazon already so if you guys are looking for something check out the pilot for hannah 
All right. And if you guys have any questions or comments, send them to cbcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.